We are Living by the Word Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to one cause. That cause is the truth given in the Holy Bible, which we believe is the inerrant and infallible Word of God, conferred to man to live by. We let the Word of God be the final authority as to what is or is not true. We strongly feel that if we do not expose false doctrine, we only encourage it. This ministry is designed to challenge you from an apologetic point of view. 1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is Michael Tinsley. Please stay tuned while we arm you, the believer, to keep living by the word. It's the noble thing to do. Well, yes, indeed. It is a noble thing to do to keep living by the word. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers. I'm one of the teammates. My name is Daryl. They call me Easy D Fulton, and we'll be delivering to you an opportunity to ask questions, and we want to give you a biblical response. Ergo, the Bible Information Brokers is what our name is. I'll be introducing the other teammates momentarily, but let's start this broadcast off with a, a word of prayer, and if you would join me, if you're out there in in the cyberspace, our listening audience, however you're listening to us, why don't you join us in a word of prayer? Father God, we thank you for just the privilege of life. I never want to take that for granted. Many people did not make it uh, this Sunday. Many people have not. Many people have breathed their last breath, and now they are ushered into eternity. Father God, we come to you with thankful hearts and opportunity and privilege to be able to work in your kingdom in this particular format of asking questions, delivering answers from your perspective, which we call the Bible. I want to know what you say about the issues that we're going through in life. So, Father God, give us the impetus to whoever's listening, whoever's participating in the broadcast, the different ways they would do that. And here's a suggested ways from my part to the listening audience. We, the teammates, we're here to receive your questions to be able to answer them from a biblical perspective. So I would ask that everyone in the listening audience might consider one of these ways to participate in the broadcast. First and foremost, everyone, please pray for the broadcast. Pray for yourselves. Pray for us. Pray for the technology. Pray that we have a seamless show that would be glorifying to God. Pray that even if you don't call in, if you don't send us a question by the various formats, I will mention that you might be attentive to hear what other people's questions are because maybe something in your life can be used from the questions and answers that go forth. We thank you for that privilege, Father God, and we thank you for the people that would participate in that way. Rather, they call in, email us questions, Facebook us questions, tweet us questions or not, the various formats I will mention and give the opportunity for the people to do. But, Father God, we just ask and pray that we have the mindset to set this short period of time aside for you, for your glory, and, yes, even for our edification. So, Father God, we thank you for the privilege again, and we thank you because of who Jesus is and for his sake, I pray. Amen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned the various formats in the prayer on how you can participate. So I know that all of you will be praying, those of you that um, especially um, have listened to this broadcast in any length of time whatsoever, uh, be it uh, more than a month, you know that we want you to participate. How can you do that, you say? Well, you can call one of our, um, our teammates, Eric. Eric is ready to receive your phone call. He'll set you up. 
please, after he sets you up, make sure anything in the background is turned down so we won't have any feedback. That feedback will happen, and then Jared have to go to work and start correcting things from the engineering perspective. We don't want him to do that. So make sure that you turn down any devices that you're calling in on, and you can hear it through your phone or the various means that you call at 888-995-5552. 888 I strongly suggest that you call in early, get in the queue, make sure we got you set up with your questions, and we do want to give you the biblical perspective. So go ahead and call in Eric right now at 888 Every other format, every single other format I'm going to mention right now is Bible Info Brokers, the address, and the various ways you get on there. But the address is Bible Info Brokers, whether it's by Facebook, whether it's by our dot-com website, whether it's tweeting us, whether it's messengering us, all those formats are Bible info brokers, and you can send those questions by those various formats. So once again, real quickly, we want to get to the questions as soon as possible, as soon as you call in or as soon as you email us, Facebook us questions and what have you. 888 Call Eric right now. Everything else is Bible info brokers, Bible info brokers, Facebook, tweet email, messenger. Now, let me say this. If you're on Facebook and you're listening to us by either video or audio on Facebook, won't you click the share button, uh, check in, let us know that you're out there in Facebook land, cyberspace land, as I may call it. But make sure you share the broadcast with your various contacts. I'm trying to learn this terminology so I can sound semi-intelligent, but you know I, you know better than that. I'm not putting on the front. I'm just trying to communicate. So <laughs> click that little share button. I think it's the one that goes to the right. That little right-hand turn button, click that, and then it'll share with everybody out there in your contact land. Now, that's enough information as far as contacting us, participating in the broadcast. Let me introduce the teammates. You know, Jared is doing engineering. Eric is on on the uh, calls, receiving and screening your calls. And myself, we also have another teammate, and that's Professor Craig Hawkins, who I have affectionately called for many, many years, PCH. PCH, are you there and with us? <laughs> Yes, Daryl, just off a break. I'm ready to go. <laughs> see, you said it. So now that you are with us telephonically, I can participate. Yeah. In, uh, see, I got it in first. We can get uh, this show going just, on. <laughs> you just me. Now, you know what? <laughs> Guys, you know, our, our, our dear buddy, Brian, our other teammate is normally with us. Uh, I, I can't say normally, Craig, based upon the years, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm concerned about him. I think he's getting older faster than you and me. Man, I'm telling you, you don't need to try to catch me because, you know, well, if he does, he gets some extra benefits. So just keep Brian up, lift it up in prayer. He's sounding more like me as we go on year by year. Eric told me he sounds more like me than I do now. But you know what? Everybody has to do what they have to do. So, Brian, get better, brother, and we'll see you soon. I did talk to him a couple of days ago, and he was getting there. But, PCH, uh, listen, I'm waiting for the people to call in. But if they don't, man, I'm ready to go with about two hours of questions that I have that we can get going. And maybe you have some things you want to deal with. But right now, people, take an opportunity. It's your broadcast, Triple Eight. The show will go as you call in or as we proceed with um, the things that are on our heart and on our mind. But please take an opportunity to call Eric right now. Let's make sure he does some work today, not coming down here for naught. Triple Eight, 995 Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. Like I said, everything else is Bible Info Brokers for Facebook, email, and our tweet. PCH, I have an issue. I think I may have sent you guys a text, so uh, we can kind of halfway be thinking about it. Um, but let me just read it um, from the way I sent it. 
is it regarding to is it regarding to what we talked about before, sort of like how we read and interpret things from a context, context, context basis. I'll let you explain that to the people. But I'm I'm, I'm kind of concerned about things that are said uh, in the world we're living in. I mean, unfortunately. Uh, there were some very serious things that were said in regards to the the war in Ukraine and how we're communicating geopolitically. Our, our leaders are communicating one thing from the White House, and then the White House has to correct itself. Our President uh, Joe Biden said some things that were, you know, kind of disturbing to me, saying, man, it's almost like saying, you know, wait, if, this, if uh, Putin on the Russian side does some kind of chemical thing, then we're going to respond in kind, and then they— from the White House, and I heard some other uh, news um, casters say, or actually I heard the people from the White House kind of draw it back and say something different or actually try to actually change the meaning of the word in kind. So I, I parallel that to the religions, especially those that um, profess to be Christian, and the confusion that could be out there in the world, how the religions, uh, and I'm giving a simple example, like we call ourselves Christians from a Protestant perspective. Roman Catholics call themselves Christians. Jehovah's Witnesses call themselves Christians. And also Mormons call themselves Christians. And I'm, that's just the four I'm uh, bringing up. But as a as a idea, Jehovah's Witness takes uh, one letter, the letter A, and I've said this before and maybe months ago, that when they talk about in the beginning it was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, as the Orthodox Bible says, the Protestant Bible says, the Catholic Bible says, but in the Jehovah's Witness text, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. So, Craig, to, to take all that I said and kind of get the idea that it has caused years, I think because, what, 1800 or something when Jehovah's Witness came into play, and it can be a very serious ramifications of people's lives that when they hear something and it's out of context, wars can happen, religions can happen, and the like. Why is context, PCH, so super important that no matter what we do in life, especially when we're reading something and understanding something, that that be clearly understood? Long question, but I think you got the meaning. PCH, are you there with me? So I think so. No, it's okay. There you go. Sorry, I has had to hit the uh, mute button when I have to cough. No. Oh, don't you lay that uh, foundation. Don't well, <laughs> be Brian Jr. The, <laughs> I'm a little under the weather, but I'm here. <laughs> you know, I'm on, uh, yes, sir. We're going to keep everyone in prayer, sir. So, yes. Well, sure, there is actually a logic called the fallacy of misleading context. Uh, and so that's certainly important. We want to be clear what we mean and don't mean what a text says in context. A simple example, then we'll deal with what you're asking about, Daryl. Let's say if I use the word ram, and I say, I go, well, do you know what I mean by ram? And you go, hmm, does he mean random access memory, radar-absorbing material, a ram on a computer? He's talking about ramming into something, uh, the football team, an individual football player on the football team of the rams. So you don't know a simple, simple little word, but if I use it in a context and say I don't have enough RAM on my computer, well, you could be pretty sure I'm not talking about an animal. I mean, in other words, that context, if I'm talking about computer and computer repairs or optimizing the efficiency of one's computer, they're probably not talking about ramming it with a Dodge truck or, or otherwise, right? So context is really important. 
But there is something uh, related to this, not quite the same, but it is important, and that is grammar. As mundane as grammar and history is, as they are, I should say, plural, grammar and history, uh, they are vitally important, and there's what's called a grammatical historical method, and that is a text has to be interpreted in context. Now we're back to your point. And if we take that text out of context, it's a pretext for error. So we have to ask and sometimes we have to say it this way, not what does it mean to me as an English speaker in America to almost 2,000 years later than the New Testament. The question is, what does a text mean? What would it have meant to a first-century Jew or to somebody in the Greco-Roman world in the first century? That That's the question. And so we have to look at things like grammar, and it can be as th- things as boring as tense and mood and voice, all these things that seem really, really really insignificant, but they're vitally important. And then, yes, the historical context, absolutely, and that that sets the text. So we could, we could ask, I, I believe, at least four basic questions, really, and reading or interpreting anything, the science and art of hermeneutics, but clearly with the Bible, I would argue, we want to ask, what does the text say? What does it say? But now, what does it mean? Because sometimes the meaning's different when it says, for example, the mountains skip for joy and the trees clap their hands. <laughs> okay, that's what it says, but what does it mean? It doesn't literally mean trees are skipping around and the mountains are you know, rejoicing, per se. So we ask, what does it say? What does it mean? And then we want to ask things like, this is the most difficult one, or can be, why was it written? Sometimes we don't know, but sometimes we do know. Things in First John were written in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 and 4, because he's dealing with what are called Gnostics, or proto-Gnostics, who denied the physicality of Jesus, not just his resurrection, but even his actual having a literal physical body. And then we look for application. So, but, but let's do with this, Daryl. We'll just play hardball for a moment, mm-hmm. and, and we do that. And people know we like to push it up, and it's okay. We like to stretch people. Don't don't be in shock. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes it's good to be stretched a little bit. So when we deal with the New Testament, so for example, our Jehovah Witness friends say, well, Jesus is a God. He's not a God. He's a God. And they say, well, look... And they, they often will appeal, even though most of them clearly don't read Greek, and most of them can't read it correctly. Um, a handful of people can actually read it, but they're already committed a priori. We say a priori is just from the Latin, just meaning prior to experience, prior to examination of the evidence, that Jesus can't be Almighty God, he's a God. And we read literally in the Greek text, and arche ein halagas, and the word, and in the beginning was the word, kaihas lagas, and the word was with God, or face-to-face with God. And it's this last phrase here, kai, and, theos, God, ain, was, ha, definite article, lagas, word. And the word was God, the word was divine. And they say, well, look, the definite article, ha, is on lagas, but there's no definite article on theos, T-H-E-O-S, transliterated. It would also be ha, o with a, what's called a rough breathing mark. There's no H in in Greek, but you put this called this rough breathing mark, and that tells you that's the sound it makes. 
And so they say, see, he's a god. And you say, no, I don't see that. If you know Greek and if you'd spend time reading it, you'd say, well, there's what's called Harner and Codwell's Rule, uh, 1933, 1973. And basically, if you have two nouns in the same case, in this case they're both nominative, that's just a fancy way of saying they're the subject. If you have two of them, which one's the subject and which one's what we would call the predicate nominative or an apposition is modifying the main noun. This is just, this is boring grammar. You go, I was looking for some super-duper spiritual talk here, and you're giving me grammar. I, I, I could call Mr. Rogers up for that or something. And, but I just say, bear with me. But you know when you read the text and it says, so it tells us with the definite article being logos, logos is the subject, and then what is the opposition or the, the predicate nominative is God, is theos. And so, by the way, so it's written beautifully, pristinely the way it should be. If the definite article was on God, that is, and God uh, was the Word, right. that would imply all the Godhead was now in the Word, but mm-hmm. that's not true. The Father's not the Word, the Holy Spirit's not the Word, Jesus is the Word, He is the Logos, and so if the definite article was on Theos like they want it to be, it would actually teach heresy, it would teach false doctrine. In other words, this passage, beautifully, beautifully in Greek, pristinely written, avoids polytheism, that there's multiple deities, and it avoids modalism. So it's like you're up on a mountain trail or a pass, and you know sometimes if you've ever gone hiking really in certain dangerous spots, there's a cliff, you know, uh, 100, 200, 1,000 feet on one side. But here you have a cliff on both sides. You're on a mountain ridge, and you need to stay right in the center. You want to avoid polytheism, multiple gods, and you want to avoid modalism, uh, another false doctrine. And this passage is written pristinely, beautifully, uh, to say just what it does. And in fact, elsewhere in John, uh, there is what's called, and we refer to this as, uh, so the definite article, and then we talk about it when it, uh, indefinite, when it doesn't have the article, and they don't translate it A or A God, and they, so they're not even consistent, but when they try to say this proves he's A God, it's like, no, this proves you don't understand Greek, and you don't understand logic. And by the way, I'll relate the point, well, let me finish this. So the text, in context, according to Greek grammar, is written beautifully, perfectly, pristinely. It could not be written better and still say what it did. It's written as good as it gets. That's number one. So that's the context. And you have to know boring grammar, in this case, Greek grammar of approximately 2,000 years ago. Um, but, but number two, it also shows people don't even understand logic. I, I've taught logic, and I've taught logic to graduate students for... Literally, Daryl, 30-plus years. You know, so I always chuckle, because sometimes people say to me, well, that doesn't make sense, or that's not logical. And more times than not, what that, that's code. What that means is, this doesn't make sense to me, therefore it's not logical. And then I ask them questions based on logic, like, are you saying this is an invalid deductive argument? Are you saying this is an uncogent inductive argument? But they're not saying that. They're just saying it doesn't make sense to me. I'm the standard. If it doesn't make sense to me, it's not logical. But that's not, that's not the same as proving there is a logical fallacy being committed, formal or informal. And so people, what they don't like, and based on their opera, there's that Latin phrase again, a priori, on their prior assumptions, presuppositions, they don't want the text to say that for whatever reason. So they basically shoehorn 
like Cinderella slippers, the one of the stepsisters, try to put it in a shoe that just doesn't fit, and and then they distort the passage. And this is why James Sire, S-I-R-E, wrote a wonderful book years ago called Scripture Twisting, 20 Ways the Cults Twist Scripture. They take Scripture, and one of them is out of context. Number two, for example, they ignore the grammatical historical context. And then the text taken out of context is now a pretext for error. And so that's yeah. why there's no substitute there. I know it's long-winded. Just let me finish. No, no, super important, no, man. Super important. There's no substitute for sound, boring research and knowing the context. What did this mean to the people who heard it? Not, do I like it? Do, does it make sense to me? Would I have written it like that? But would that culture have written it like that? And, and this is really pretty simple, Daryl. If one's taken even Spanish or French or German, you know that there are words that we have that they don't have and vice versa. But you also know that there's words that if you say something in, in that language, it doesn't mean in their language what it does. So you can't insist that it be said. If I say, for example, uh, if I said, ich bin warm, uh, in German, that literally literally is ich bin, I am warm. But it actually means I would be gay or homosexual. Okay. Now, that's not what I want to say, but, but it doesn't matter. You'd say, well, that's not what I mean. And I would say, but that's what it means in German. If you're trying to speak German, that's what it means. So I don't care what you think it means. Mm-hmm. In German, that's what they understand it to me. Or ich bin kalt. I am cold means you're basically a, a cold fish. You're kind of a, a, an aloof, mean uh, a person. You're a jerk. You just insulted yourself. So so it is. We need to take the Bible in its context, what it means to that audience, and then transition it over to us, and then, of course, application. But but there's no way around this, Daryl. That's boring grammar, history, but it's vital and vitally important for what? Rightly handling, correctly interpreting the Word of God, Second Timothy two fifteen. You know that's from the perspective of, of the Bible, of course, and uh, again, uh, uh, from that you can it, it have eternal consequences as we'll talk about a little later on. But the, just the, you know now just oppose that to how we're living our life and we're dealing with each other from a relational standpoint. You know they talk about the communication between men and women. The brains work differently, and you know children how they talk to each other. They're different. You know, like you were explaining, the different the different languages. Uh, what about even the different dialects within those languages? That it means various things. And I've, and again, you know, I I ambassador in the game of golf, and I see many cultures. I mean, multiple cultures and various people with different thoughts and things like that, and have a privilege of talking with them. And I'm telling you something. I always ask, especially a different language, like, what does it mean in this in Chinese? What does it mean in this in Korean? How do, you're speaking uh, uh, German? What does it mean here? And I'm telling you, I don't remember all that. That stuff, but I'm gonna, I'm I'm actually going to try to start, you know, getting just the basic courtesies of like, you know, you want to say hi and hello to people in their language if you know what they what their ethnicity is, and it's just you know kind of personable. But man, I'm telling you, now take that and apply it to what I was hearing from our government, especially during this war. And when you don't, when you're not on point. Man, it, it's going to cause problems. It's going to cause problems when people don't understand and you're communicating this to a, your your nation, man. So I, I don't know, Craig, it's, it, it gets very serious, and that's the kind of way I looked at it when I was hearing these things on the news. And that's why I brought the, the issue here, and I appreciate your explanation, brother. I really do. Listen, um, maybe uh, Ian from Malibu may appreciate an explanation to his question. So, Ian, thanks for calling back in. I saw that we dropped you. I know Eric didn't uh, hang up on you, but uh, we dropped you. I'm glad you called back. <laughs> so, Ian, thanks for calling in. 
I was I was parked by a mountain and it's blocking, so I oh, blame. Oh, Eric, Eric's not big as a mountain. What are you talking about, Ian? <laughs> well, what's your question, brother? I appreciate you calling back. Um. Well, the first question was um that uh, what does it mean to be called and chosen? That uh, many are called, but few are chosen. What What does that mean exactly? Great. Many are called and fruit chosen, and that's that's pretty. Uh, I mean, that's that's pretty right in point with what the gospel talks about as far as who is saved. So, what does it mean to be many called but yet few are chosen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excuse me. I apologize. Um, well, for example, the words chosen or. Uh, to elect, well, nouns and verbs respectively, to to choose, to elect, chosen, the elect, those are the same words in Greek, for example, eklage. Um, so those are the same words, but it's referring to what I would argue and say is that basically God chooses us, we didn't choose him. I'm a monergist, and what that means is that the initiation of salvation is on God's part, not ours. And so you didn't go looking for God. If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it wasn't because you one day said, wow, I'm really lonely, or I, I really want to seek God. Your interest in God is from God in the first place. He came looking for you. He chose us first. That's what matters. So that's what the Bible's teaching is. We didn't go looking for him. We look at Romans 2, for example, you know, 10 through 19 and, or beyond uh, Romans 2. We see that there's none of us good, none that seeks God. We've all gone our own way. God came looking for us. And so I'm going to argue in context what that's referring to is God initiated salvation. The Holy Spirit was seeking us out. He was convicting us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then we can be saved. We are brought to Christ. But it is God who initiates, God who came looking for us. So, and indeed, the emphasis is upon God, as Christ indeed says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. The emphasis is upon God, not upon us. And that, that's, that's a very good question, Eden. You said that was the first question. You developed another question while you were going through the mountains? Oh, no, no. The, the, the mountain was blocking my, my phone cell. My <laughs> yeah, phone I know that. I just drive a quarter mile away to uh, get my signal going again. Okay, very good, so, very good. So I, so I can get back to you guys. All righty. Well, I hope that, uh, that I'm sorry, go ahead, Ian. All right, anyway, I just wanted to, uh, I, I was feeling down, and I opened my um, uh, King James uh, version, and I uh, opened to Job, and um, it was chapter 29, and it talks about when it was before he got tested. He's talking about when he was young and how um, how how people respected him because he walked with God, and so that even the princes and the nobles uh, uh, he, he he shut their mouths up like he. If you walk with God, you'll be royal royalty off the bat. You don't have to worry about material things. That it was I got that was the message I got was that it's because he walked with God that that's what that he. Uh, he walked in his um, calling of, uh, well, like we're called, we're called to be uh, more than conquerors in Christ. So, so that's, um, I just was saying that it, it, it was encouraging. Those type of verses are encouraging. I think, and in, in, um, PCA, you can chime in on this. In light of what you just asked in your original question about many are called, a few are chosen, and the PCH was talking about the whole idea and the, the serious idea, especially during this Lent season, that people really focus on the idea that they can come to God. 
And in, in Ephesians 2, uh, what, 8 and 9, and then verse 10, as uh, parenthetical, I'm going to say that, yeah, that's that part where, um, you know, God saves us through Christ and not of any work that we have done. I'm kind of paraphrasing. But the emphasis on number 10 is now what you're talking about, now you have a calling. Well, what is your calling? I mean, those things can be determined, but one of the things that, I would like to emphasize on is that don't never put verse 10 in front of verse 8 and 9 in Ephesians 2, as Craig said. The bottom line is God saved us. He grabs us. He looks for us. He sought us. He elected us. And all those things that mean that. And now he has what for us to do, work for us to do. We were just talking about that today in a church club. You know, Pastor Cooper was dealing with that that whole aspect when Craig mentioned Romans 2. It just flashed back to uh, this morning when he was dealing with that whole idea because we are not and we cannot and we will not in the salvation of any other kind of salvation is a wrong salvation is a wrong uh, uh, saving of an individual the way the Bible has it if you're counting on any kind of action of your part and sometimes we put that I'm a moral person and all that type of stuff in front of the reality of the matter that Christ saved you first to be moral I guess if I want to put it that way PCH what say you no you said it he's well said it yeah Okay, Ian, that's, man, that's, those are good thoughts, man, and especially during the season, man. We need to really focus on who Christ is and then what we are in Christ. And I think our identity, if it be played out properly, uh, this world would be a whole lot better world. So, Ian, I appreciate your call, man, and be careful out there on the road, okay? Okay. God bless you, man. Appreciate you. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two is a number. You can call Eric right now. Triple eight nine nine five 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 two. This is the Bible Information Brokers with PCH, Professor Craig Hawkins, Daryl Fulton. Eric and Jared is making sure all that engineering stuff is working. Jared, we're still on the line. Yes, we are. We're still on the air. Yes, we are. So call Eric right now, triple eight nine nine five 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 two triple eight. Nine nine five 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 two is the number. If you wanted to send us a question by way of Facebook, as I see a few people have, and we get to those questions momentarily, you can do so on our Facebook page at Bible Info Brokers, or even on our website at the dot com Bible Info dot com Bible Info Brokers dot com. That is so everything is Bible Info Brokers then dot com for our website, Facebook, Tweet, uh, Messenger, and what have you. So, um, PCH, let's continue taking some questions. We're going to go to a Facebook question here. And let me see if I can bring it all the way up without losing it here. I'm going to click the wrong button. Uh, I'll take Bonnie's question first. Bonnie is asking from 2 Thessalonians, I believe it's 2.6, if I can read that properly. 2 Thessalonians 2.6, she's asking, can the professor answer that? Thank you. I guess Second Thessalonians two six. Let me see if I can get there. PCH. So you, I know you're going to go through those loose pages you have that you call a Bible. Uh, it is. I mean, <laughs> thank you, man. We got to get you a new Bible, man. You know, maybe that's just the bottom line. <laughs> Notice how my voice got all deep on that. Sound like a daddy gift. <laughs> get the piece. Get PCH a new Bible. Cause I don't want to hear all that paper ruffling and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, second. Uh, I say Second Thessalonians two six. Did I say that correct? That's what you said. <laughs> That's what I read <laughs> in context. What is the meaning of Second Thessalonians two six? Let me bring it up here by hitting the computer so it can be faster. Uh, and it reads, um, "And now ye know that." Um, I'm sorry. Let me see. And now ye know whatever withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. Let me read it outside of King James. Uh, let's read it in this version. Uh, let's see here. Let's go here and read it this way. It says, and now you know what is 
restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. What is what is the meaning of that, PCH? Well, it's not his channel. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that a little later. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. Yeah, if you look at the context, Bonnie, great question. Mm-hmm. It's talking about the man of lawlessness. It's talking about the ultimate apostasy. It's talking about the falling away and the man of, of sin, of, of destruction, the Antichrist. And so Paul's been saying, hey, don't you remember when I was with you, I was telling you guys this stuff, he says to the church at Thessalonica. I've, I would talk to you about this. This is esch- time, end time, eschatology. And so he's referring to, right above it, when you look at verses 4 and 5, before 6 and, and related passages, context, it's, it's, it's the Antichrist. He has a number of titles, the man of lawlessness, the abomination of desolation, or the makes desolate. He has a number of titles, and none of them are good. <laughs> excuse me, you don't, excuse me, you don't want any of them. Mm-hmm. And that, but, but, so that's what's happening. So, and then we know from 1 John, John tells us that, uh, that it, it is the end times ever since the second, the first coming of Christ. So we're in the end times. So, and boy, I look at what's going on now with uh, America and the apostasy of the Church, going to a cashless society and them wanting to be able to mo- monitor through digital currency uh, what money you have, how you spend it, or even cutting you off. I mean, it's just it's incredible what's going on today. And all that to say, so Paul's saying, so the only reason he hasn't been revealed yet is because he, and the he there is the Holy Spirit in context, he is restraining him. It's not, it's not time, it's the Greek word kairos, it's not the appointed time for the Antichrist yet, or at least hasn't been. And so he's restraining him, and only when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. Now, we need to be careful. People mean well, but they say a lot of kind of silly things here. They say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit has to be taken out of the world. Well, the Holy mm, Spirit can't be taken yeah. out of the world. He's omnipresent. Yeah, <laughs> you don't limit him like, oh, now you stay here. You can stay in heaven, <laughs> but you can't go down there. No, it, it, you, you, you're never, he's omnipresent. You're never out of his presence. As David said, where can I go? Where can I flee? From the depths of the sea to the tiles, mountain, to the desert, to wherever. There, God, that, God's there. He's omnipresent. And that includes, of course, the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Trinity. But it means he's restraining him, he's keeping him from from coming forward yet. But when the Holy Spirit takes off the leash, so to speak, or when he opens the gate, or have you ever seen that you've been waiting for a sporting event and the gates are locked and people kind of all jamming up against the gate, and then when the gates open, boom, people are ready to go through. Well, in this case, it's the negative sense. The Antichrist is being checked and not being allowed to, to, to be revealed, to be, come on, and by revealed means to come on the world scene and to do his thing, which is an incredible, egregious sin and blasphemy. So, but we need to be careful. People, again, I've heard a number of pastors say mistakenly, well, the Holy Spirit's taken out of the world. No, he's not taken out of the world. He, he, that's impossible. He, he, he's omnipresent. He, but he will, he, he will lift the restraint. It's kind of like in Romans 1 and 2 when it talks about sin, and one of the worst things God could do is let us go, give us up to ourselves. Mm. 
In other words, quit restraining us and allow us to go forward and do our thing, which is egregious sin as well. So that's what's going on. The Holy Spirit is the one who's restraining until the until the appointed, the kairos in Greek, the appointed time. And then the Antichrist will be revealed, which means he will come on the world scene and do what he's destined to do. And of course, but ultimately to be judged by God and to be literally thrown into hell. Now, PCH, I can almost hear someone thinking out there and they'd be saying to themselves, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible talk about that the Holy Spirit will come? And Jesus said something in regards to his ascending and the Holy Spirit um, coming. Is not implying that the Holy Spirit is not here, uh, at least wasn't here when no. Jesus was here? In no, context. It, it, no, it has to do with him being given freely and dwelling all believers. So, and and the yeah. Greek text we make the difference of three Greek prepositions. We could say with, in, or upon, mm-hmm. uh, and those have nuances of meaning. But for right now, it just means he's not given person. He wasn't given personally to believers for eternity, and, and dwelling us that is. But mm-hmm. he's al- he was already omnipresent, gotcha. and we see glimpses of that in various people's lives in the Old Testament. But he was already omnipresent. But he's he's there in a special or unique sense. Mm-hmm. An example. If I say God's, if I say to you, you and I are talking, I go, wow, wasn't the Lord really present today mm-hmm. in our service? Well, he's always present, but we just really sensed him. We thought it was a powerful movement of God. But I might say God's present in hell, and he is, or in, in, in a house of ill repute or things going on that are wrong. <laughs> he's still present, but he's not present like he was in the worship service. <laughs> so it's not as he there, it's in what sense is he there? Is yeah. he blessing? Is he resident or president of what's going on? Or is he simply disgusted with what's going on? Uh, those are some of the distinctions we need to make. Great distinction, great distinction. One of the distinctions I'm going to make right now is to give the people an opportunity to participate, as I say, in this ministry and way that they can do so is by giving financially. I'm going to get right to it so we can try to get back to the questions. So before I get to the, the financial opportunity that you have here, let me give the number where you can call Eric. I see all open lines, PCH, all open lines. Eric, what are they doing mm. by not calling you? Here's my job to do. Give them the number, 888-995-KKLA. 888-995. The numbers are 5552. 888-995-5552. Call Eric right now. He's ready. He's, he's I can see him. I look, I'm looking at him to my right. He is ready to receive your phone call. Everything else, just like we did with Bonnie's question uh, on Facebook, you can send a question by way of Facebook, email us, uh, tweeting us, or Facebook, um, I'm sorry, I said that, messengering us. All those methods are Bible info brokers, Bible info brokers for those various methods to send us a question as well. We want to give you a biblical response. Now, since I interrupted myself about the uh, participation in giving, let me get back to it. Two ways you can do it. Well, yeah, basically two ways. You can do it online. Simply go to a Bible Info Brokers. I've been mentioning that earlier. Go to Support and Donate. Hit that icon. It brings up a sheet where it shows you a very simple way that you can give one time or on a recurring basis and set that up. You do that by um, your credit card, PayPal. They'll tell you all the ways to do that on that one simple page right there. That's the Support and Donate on our BibleInfoBrokers.com uh, um, website. Every other way, or the other way, is to simply write the check out today, get out money order tomorrow, what have you, whatever way you want to do it, and write it out to Living by the Word, Living by the Word. And then your address, your address um, envelope, 
to P.O. Box 90477. That's P.O. Box 90477 in Los Angeles with the zip code of the 9 in the beginning and the 9 at the end. Everything else is zeros. 90009. That's the zip code. So once again, that's Living by the Word. Write it out your check in your envelope, envelope also to P.O. Box 90477 in Los Angeles. Nine zero 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 nine, and we really appreciate that. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. We need every chicken in the barnyard, if I can use that expression. Everyone that's listening to us out there now to participate, share, and as way also when I said by sharing that you're listening to our broadcast, people all over the world have an opportunity also to listen in and. Ergo, you are supporting the broadcast that way by sharing that you're listening to it. And then people can also take an opportunity if they would, if they're so moved to participate by donating from a financial perspective. And we always, always, always want to thank you personally from the whole team. We appreciate your giving and we super uh, importantly appreciate your prayers, not only as the broadcast is going on, but all during the week. So if you think about us in any kind of way, form or fashion, think about the teammates and everyone is associated with the team. Pray for us individually and collectively as we come, as you come to our mind, we pray for you as well. The listening audience, we thank you in advance. PCA, you mentioned something about his channel a while ago. Now, I don't want people to be confused as though you and I, like his, yours, mine, we have something going on as though we have a channel. Now, we can get one. I mean, people have channels out there like YouTube channels and Facebook uh, channels. Everybody has a Facebook. Actually can do the same thing we're doing. So you have a great opportunity to spread the word. But one of the ways that you, Professor, spread the word is on Wednesdays. The, you have the nerve to be on the same day that Brian's doing that Bible study on Wednesdays. And, mm. Oh, but it's 7 o'clock for this Bible study. And they can go on our website and get the information. But you do something early in the afternoon where the people can participate. Talk to them about it. Well, thanks, Daryl. In addition to this program, the privilege of doing this, I have the great opportunity to be on his channel. That's Internet TV, his, just like it sounds, H-I-S, channel, no hyphens, no spaces, hischannel.com. And there's a number you can call and you can text your questions in and I among others but I will attempt to answer your questions and that airs on Wednesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. 1 to 2 p.m. on Wednesdays on his channel and here's the number in case you want to write it down you could literally when you get done or do it now you could go hey I have a question and I don't want to ask it here or I can't because I'm driving or something but you could write this number down or try to remember it, 714-815-7097, 714-815-7097. You can call that number 24-7-365 and then text it to my attention to Craig, and I will do my best by God's grace. I will attempt to answer, answer your question or questions and on his channel from 1 to 2 on Wednesdays, but the number one more time, in case you're interested, 714-815-7097. 
Appreciate that, PCH. And ladies and gentlemen, as well as that, like I mentioned, Brian's Bible study on Wednesdays, please go on our website at Bible Info Brokers to get information about the Wednesday Bible study and at the time that it is, I believe it's 7 o'clock. Now, also on our Facebook page, and I'm trying to figure out how to get this on various other uh, methodologies out there in the social media, I'm learning it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have my granddaughter who um, is pretty good with this stuff. Many of them are, but this particular one is uh, better than the other ones. And help me get the word out. I'm very interested in people reading the word of God. And by reading the word of God, then you'll be able to expound on the word of God. And we were talking about context, context, context earlier. And as you read and study the word of God, you'll be able to explain some things that can save a person's soul. What's so super important thing to do? Well, on the Facebook page, I post a daily reading. This is like apparently date, well, not apparently, it is date number 92, and for instance, and I I post it chronologically. I like reading through the Bible chronologically. kind of keeps my old mind and set on how events happen. So you'll be bouncing back and forth through the Bible as various events, especially during the wars and all that type of stuff that goes on in uh, the various um Old Testament passages where it talks about the war, wars that the Israelites went through. But this is day number 92 and I happen to be going through Judges 8 and 9. So take an opportunity to look at our Facebook page and when you see that daily reading, you can go ahead and catch back up. I always suggest that you use the various gates that we have and helps you actually remember scripture better. When you're reading it by yourself, you actually can do go on an audio Bible, get you an audio Bible that's out there and you know on the internet, get you the one you like to hear, the particular version you like to hear and just go through it when you listen to it and follow it with your eyes and kind of reading it you know softly to yourself as you're listening look at all those gates the ear gate the eye gate and you're even speaking it not that speaking is going to be any powerful but it's going to give you an opportunity to remember what you said as you hear it and read it that's just kind of the way i do it and it's very helpful and you'd be surprised how many these scriptures come to your mind craig when uh those those gates are used like that simultaneously so take an opportunity those resources we'd be talking talking about them maybe a little bit later on doing the uh, broadcast, but feel free to go on our Facebook page or on our uh, website at Bible Info Brokers. Everything is Bible Info Brokers, Facebook, email, and what have you. So please, Eric, I see those calls. I'm going to get to them momentarily, but people, I'm going to give you an opportunity again to call in. Eric is ready to receive some more calls at 888-995-5552, 888-995-5552. And I see you, uh, Joy. I'm going to get to Dan first. Joy, and we're going to get to you right after we talk with Dan. Dan from South Bay, our good brother. Thanks for holding on and calling in. Dan, can you, how you doing, Dan? How you doing, brother? I was talking to Eric. I didn't quite hear you, so you're coming to me. Okay, now I know. <laughs> oh, let's get rid of that thing Hello? right there. Hold on for a second. There we go. We got that. We had a little pull fall. Craig, you not Craig? You there? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just messing with yeah, you. It could have been Craig. My, no, my, no, my. no, no, no. I do. I do. If he's there, I'm just playing around a little bit. Just have a little fun. But anyway, yeah, Dan. Did you do you're no, no, not at all, Craig. Not at all. <laughs> Anyway, Dan, let's get to your question, brother. What's happening? Yeah, how are you feeling, okay, though, Dan? This is going to be a little bit of a long way to get to it, because I, I forget what kind of revelation you call it, Craig, when somebody could be saved, when they, uh, but they haven't heard the gospel message, so God doesn't hold it against them. And based on what they do know about God, uh, somehow they still get in, even though Scripture says, Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus, lest you be born again, no way will you enter the kingdom of heaven. And Paul said something about there's only one way to be saved, 
and and we got to go through Christ. That's what I always heard. And somebody preached that today that unless you're, you know, we won't, we can only get that through Christ. Without that, there's no there's no salvation. And yet, you've talked a couple of times. I heard you talking about a different revelation that you could have. They were asking today, is there any way a Muslim could be saved? And unless you come through Christ, you're not going to be saved. Uh, that's what the answer was, basically. And uh, they asked another, something else. Is there any way they could be saved? Not unless they come through Christ. And yet, we have this, I guess it's a doctrine or something, somewhere in Scripture it must say, or you wouldn't say it, that people could be saved if they never heard the gospel. Yeah, I think we got you on that, uh, Dan. Peace says, what about that? Can okay. somebody be saved without hearing Thank you. without uh, hearing the gospel? Right. Is Dan saying that I said that or someone else said that? I'm, he I said that someone preached that today, right, Dan? You. Oh, you said that you said that. That's what I thought. Yeah, you know, okay. I've heard okay. you say that there's, there's okay. a possibility we got you. you could be, that God has the grace for somebody that didn't hear the gospel, but gotcha. what they did know about God somehow inside their heart or whatever, they could still somehow be saved. Uh, yeah, but we need to clarify my view. That's that was a, mi- a misrepresentation of it, not intentional, I'm sure. But it that's is. what I need is a clarification yeah. of your view. That's, all, yeah, that's what exactly. I'm asking you for. Is that clarification so, alongside of what we normally? Gotcha. Right. So we need to be clear. Right. <laughs> context. 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 Mm-hmm. Here I would say, yeah. Um, no, I believe Christ is the only way of salvation. I'm not a, a what's called inclusivist, that uh, there, there are a number of ways to be saved, and one doesn't have to believe in Jesus. I hold to uh, an exclusivist, what is the technical term, that it is through Christ alone. <clears throat> so that's not the issue for me. The issue is, but what about the person who never hears the gospel? Does one actually have to have a mission? Well, I'm going to rephrase that. Does one actually have to have a physical or human missionary share the gospel with them, or a Christian? Could God speak to them through a dream? Could, could is it possible? And there are hundreds of Muslims in, in various countries saying that's exactly what happened. Jesus appeared to them in a dream, and the message of salvation was given to them, and they embraced it. So... That's not saying that people could be saved outside of Christ. That that is the idea that that it, it, there may be other ways that God's going to be delivered. Now that doesn't exonerate us or uh, mean that we should not preach the gospel. Uh, I spend my whole life doing that and teaching people to do that. But it's the question is if we fail, if we don't get to people, and we know that's clearly the case. There are clearly areas of the world that have still not heard the gospel, and we have failed as a church to, to, to get the gospel to them. So does that mean that's an automatically they can't go to heaven? Well, again, sure, I, I believe salvation is only through Jesus, you bet. But I do believe God can use dreams and visions. I do believe it is at least possible possible that someone never heard the gospel, but had they heard it, they would have embraced it immediately, and either right before their death or literally at that time, God gives them the gospel. And again, it doesn't exonerate us. This is not a license for us not to share the gospel, have a fervor and a fervency, and that they they embrace it and they're into heaven. But they're in there only because of Jesus. The question is not the message, but the method. Mm-hmm. Methodologically, could it happen a little differently? And this is these are very atypical scenarios. Of, yeah, because but there are situations. I mean, 
that were requires a little bit different scenario. Why? Because we as a church are failing, have failed, are failing to get the gospel to the whole world. So, but one more time, just for absolute clarity, it's only through Jesus. The question is, does it have to be a human being who delivered the message? Can God, in rare circumstances, deliver the message himself? Cool. He had a vehicle. Which way it was delivered? Good point. That's really what I wanted was clarification. All right. Yes. And to the thief on the cross, to the thief on the cross, he had our Savior right in his face telling him, because he had his faith right there. I mean, he he was born again right there on the spot. Exactly. And and born againness, and born againness doesn't necessarily have to come from one of us so-called ministers. It can come from God himself and Jesus did it there. And is any other way God wants to do it if it's out of just the as, word of, yeah. out of yeah. an angel? It takes an angel. Yes, that's yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. So God's going to save everybody that He ever intended to save. If we fail, God's still going to save them. Precisely. There we go. Nobody's gain exactly. Let me say just two more things here. But you're go right ahead. on the money, brother. Nobody goes to hell because we didn't get the gospel to them. Right. That would be incredibly unfair and stupid uh, on our part. No, God's going to get it done. It doesn't. That doesn't absolve us of the responsibility. He told us to do it. We should obey and have a fervor and a passion to do that. But let me give you one more way. Now, again, this is not normative because all things equal. This is not the way we work. This is not the way God works. He's ordained the preaching of the gospel, and that is a typical way, by humans. That's a typical way that it happens. In the book of Revelation, it talks about angels having the gospel and proclaiming it. That's not normal. We shouldn't wait for that, but that happens. But if you read books by people like the late Maurice Rawlings, who was a world-famous cardiologist, he had people who basically thought they went to hell and came back, and they were literally scared, had the hell scared out of them, literally, not cussing, but literally, and they and they embraced Christ, but they basically said they got the gospel message when they had flatlined, and they were flatlined, they were clinically dead, if you will. They believed they went to hell, and they literally had the gospel given them, not in hell, but I mean, in other words, this is where you're going if you don't repent, and they trusted in God. Now, what am I supposed to say? Well, you can't be saved because the human didn't give it to you. You say <laughs> God gave it to you by allegedly letting you go to hell. Well, that can't happen. Uh, who am I to say that can't happen? It can't contradict God's Word. Um, it, we can't teach something that the Bible does not teach, but some things that the Bible simply silent on. We don't know. And these are atypical. These are, we would use a technical term, anomalous. They're not normative. They're not normal situations. But it appears that indeed God does that because there are people who literally had the hell scared out of them, literally, and became to Christ. And there are Muslims this day, right now, who claim Jesus appeared to them in a dream or some type of uh, vision, and they came to Christ through that. What am I supposed to say? Oh, well, you're not saved. No, you're not saved, because we had to. We have to send an evangelist to you. <laughs> they need to be saved. That's crazy. Indeed. Dan, thank you very much for that phone call, brother. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Mm-hmm.
you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, just like Dan uh, called in. Joy, we're going to get to you on the other side of the break because we're coming up to the top of the hour break. I just want to give the people an opportunity to write down this information or to get an opportunity to, you know, let people know that they're listening to Living by the Word Ministries presentation of the Bible Information Brokers with the whole team. I didn't say the whole team is here in context. I said the whole team because Brian O'Brien's praying for us, uh, you know, through his uh, raspiness of voice trying to copy Uncle Daryl. But we have Eric here. Jared is taking care of all that uh, technical stuff that we have going on. But you can call Eric right now. He has some open lines. He's dealing with it and taking new phone calls at 888 That's toll free. Not that it makes any difference these days with the way the phones work nowadays. But 888 is the number. Every other method, like the Facebook method, email us questions or uh, messenger us questions, what have you. I'm going to get to all those uh, formats as the people send questions in. So please take an opportunity to write down Bible Info Brokers in any social media format that you have. We're going to try to get to them all eventually and have them available for us during the broadcast. But right now it's Facebook, email, tweet, or uh, .com website. You can send us those questions that way. So Bible Info Brokers every other way except calling Eric right now at 888 now, PCH, we're going to go uh, take this break. We're going to hear some music in the background. You probably won't hear it, but we just, again, folks, during this time of this uh, Lent season, I want you to just consider knowing what the Word says about any particular subject matter. We mentioned that you can also, um, you know, send Craig that question. I have the number written down, Craig. Make sure you check me on this number on his channel because I really want people to utilize all the resources that we have to offer them because, you know, you're talking about um, the idea of no excuses. When when you and Dan was talking about that subject matter, about someone getting saved without Jesus, I was thinking about the idea of in Romans uh, 2 where it talks about no excuse. Maybe we'll talk about that in the gospel when we come back on the other side of the break. We're going to do the gospel message. Then we're going to talk to Joy and Rick hanging there on the other side of the break. And I'm going to take care of all these Facebook questions and any messenger questions that we have. So right now, let's take a break. Be back after these messages. Jared, take us away.